0: And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 650, continuing our team-by-team previews for the 2024 fantasy baseball season. We're sticking in the NL West. We have four teams to go after this episode, three remain. We're going to go with the San Francisco Giants tonight, a team near and dear to my heart. And in some years, in the early you know 2010s, it was great to be near and dear to my heart. These days, my heart can't handle much more of this between age and them. So we'll see how this goes. And to help me preview this team as a fellow Giants fan, fellow friend, a fellow person that struggles with this on a day-to-day basis. Uh, you can find him everywhere. Fantasy Pros, writing with me over there. Writing at Fangraphs. He's the uh, the smart voice on Sleeper and the Bust. He is the man, the myth, the legend, the creator of TGFBI. And for that, he gets like the biggest kudos in the world. And he also created Friends of Fantasy Benefits and much, much more. The list goes on and on and on. He is the commissioner of Barf now, taking it over for the great Laura Michaels. Um, And you can find him on Twitter at Justin Mason, FWFB. Justin, how are we doing, my friend?
1: Man, that was a really great intro. I like that. Um, I'm doing well. Uh, I wish we were going to be talking about better players tonight uh, than we're going to, because as you said, our Giants are not uh, super fun to watch from a fantasy perspective. So, I mean, you know, I'll still root, I'll still be cheering them on as a fan, but it's going to be a short episode tonight.
0: Yep, yep. I put them on every night when I'm in my office here. either podcasting or writing. They're on the TV, but it's on mute because I don't need to hear the pain. Uh, yep. the, the TV does enough. It's just one of those things. I know you and I helped uh, Joe Arrico preview them last year, and that was a quick, painful episode. I think we got mm-hmm. most of that right. But it's just a, a struggling team. So before we get into that, uh, I mentioned where, everywhere you are plugging anything you want to plug. I know TGFBI just uh, you know announced their invitations. What else you got going on?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, is going to be coming up at the end of the month. I got to get that together here pretty quickly. Uh, it's a two day live stream event to raise money for charity. That's awesome. Um, TGFBI, yeah, invitations have gone out for the main contest, but if you want to try to get into a satellite league, those are still filling up and running as we speak. Uh, if you win a satellite league, you get into next year's TGFBI. So, uh, and then yeah, I'm, I write Fan Graphs, I write at Fantasy Pros uh sleeper in the bus podcast uh friends against the benefits podcast uh and yeah i can't think of anything else i feel like there's got to be more there's already there i
0: do this i do the same thing when i'm on shows yeah. i know there's more i know there is just follow me on twitter <laughs> you'll find it all right there um the one thing i will mention is tgfbi this year even if you're not playing but you want to support a great cause uh justin and the group we always do a charity um this year it's teaming with fantasy cares yep which um is what scott fish has used for everybody to supply like Toys for kids at Christmas and all kinds. It's it's a great program. So that's another angle. If you you aren't in TGFBI, but you want to help with TGFBI, just help the cause, fantasy cares.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's been, uh, I think, a long time coming. I've kind of talked to Scott for a few years now uh, about at some point, you know, letting them kind of handle the fundraising so I don't have to worry about PayPal, the the tax implications, especially with tax laws changing and stuff like that. Um, and it's a perfect kind of uh, fit, man. I mean, like we raised in just the first day of, of TGF after TGFBI invitations went out, I think we raised like $2,700 awesome. um, for charity. And I think last year in totality, uh, for just TGFBI not including Potapalooza, I think we raised like 4200 bucks. Sweet. So like, I mean, the fact that in one day we we got close to, Kind of our fundraising goal for the year is amazing so i love everything that scott fish does bob uh, gilchrist helping out over there as well um you know so if you're a fantasy football fan you know scott Bull if you're not like they're just two awesome dudes in the fantasy football industry that raise i mean they raise like tens of thousands if not yeah, hundreds of thousands of dollars
0: ridiculous. it's gotten for... so big where they have like multiple people across the country shopping yeah
1: <laughs> yeah it's, it's unreal it's it's yeah. an amazing uh amazing thing they do so uh typically i pick a charity um and then this year it's just like we're, we're doing fantasy care so money this year for TGFBI is going to go to fantasy cares um just a fantastic organization
0: yep nope, i love it it's good to see keep the uh industry going besides like you know fish you know we just saw uh, uh pitch con raise over 16 grand or something like that there's just all these great things throughout fantasy sports that we're not just a bunch of idiots that uh, well we are a bunch of idiots but we're not just a bunch of idiots we can actually uh, do things for a good cause which is which is great to see all right, before we get into the player-by-player talk for the fantasy season, I ask every guest this. What was your thoughts on the 2023 season for the Giants? I mean,
1: my thoughts on the 2023 season for the Giants are similar to the thoughts I've had for the last few years, <laughs> which is um, they're just fence-sitting, man, and I hate it. Like, they are doing exactly what we tell people not to do in dynasty leagues, yep. which is, you know, when you're in a dynasty league, either need to commit to being bad or commit to being good, right? Because if you're bad, you get high draft picks. You get to load up on prospects. You kind of get to rebuild and set yourselves up to be good in a few years. Or you just compete. You go, hey, I'm going to try to win. I, You know, maybe I do, maybe I don't, but I'm going to go all out for it. Uh, and what I tell people in Dynasty Leagues to not do is to, like, play the middle. Be like, oh, I'm going to try to be competitive, but at the same time, I'm going to try to rebuild. It doesn't work well. Um, And the Giants have been doing that in real baseball, and it hasn't worked well. I think the 2021 season where they won all those games, 107 games, um, was really, really kind of like fool school. It really made them think that they were a competitive team when they really shouldn't have been, um, and they've never truly recovered. And I think that at some point, this team needs to figure out what their identity is because you have an amazing Dodgers team. It's uh, gross, that is to say. You've got a good Padres team uh, that may take a step back, but it's still, still, I think a playoff contender. And the Diamondbacks were just in the World Series and super young, like,
0: and they're getting better.
1: Yeah, so like, uh, I, I, I think they should like just say, "Hey, we're gonna rebuild." They don't seem to want to do that. I don't know if it's they're just afraid of the fan base rioting or something or whatever. But ultimately, you got to pick your lane, and the Giants have not been able to figure that out yet.
0: To be fair, the Dodgers are a great regular season baseball team. Yes. Um, When it comes to uh, the Giants so a couple of years ago, like you mentioned when they won all those games, I know you were with me on this. We're like, you need to make trades. Trade these guys now. Yeah. Get pieces back. And that's where, like, when they didn't do that, it's like you said, that's when it set everything back. Because mm-hmm. I think we all knew that this team was maybe going to contend in the, in the season, but they're not built for the postseason. And they proved – well, they came close, but they kind of proved the point. And, um, yeah, it sucks. But
1: but if they had gone out, like, and traded Luciano or Luis Matos then, when those guys were kind of towards the top of their value, like, they could have gotten pieces to help mm-hmm. them compete in 2021. They didn't, and they got knocked out in the first round. And it's like, I get, like, not wanting to give up those pieces, but now what do you do? Because now you don't have any of those pieces to trade, um, you know, because people realize, well, Luciano's meh. Matos is meh. Like, they're not like they doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, Joey Bart's, yeah, is now (laughs) just a waste of space in AAA. Like, yeah, it's a whole uh, thing. They should have, if they'd committed in 2021 to being good or committed post that to be bad, like we'd be in a really, a much different spot.
0: 100%. Let's talk about that spot this year. We'll go over the key players, or at least the players they would expect to play that might have fantasy value. And we'll start with the pretty much only major acquisition they made this year. Um, they have made a few trades and whatnot. But the main squeeze, Jung-Hoo Lee, came over from Korea this year. And it kind of into the surprise of you know, me. I, I, I knew they'd get someone. Didn't know this would be the one. Hit for great average across the uh, in the Korean League. Little pop, little speed. But basically a better real-life player than uh fantasy player looks like. ADP 246 over the last 15 DCs, Justin. What are your thoughts on him in 2024?
1: I mean, I always have a hard time with players coming over from Korea or players coming over from Japan because you don't really know how they're going to translate, not just to the game. I mean, the game for sure, right? Because, you know, Japan's kind of like AAA level caliber players and, and Korea's kind of like double A. So, like, you can go, okay, you know, maybe a Korean player is going to struggle a little bit more than a Japanese player um but like you know if they're good they're good right and we, we've seen guys come over from both leagues and been fantastic or be you know major league uh, average but you also have to contend with the fact that they're coming over to a brand new country where they know pretty much no one where they often don't speak the language um and like we saw this with Haseon kim coming over like he clearly struggled in his first year and i think a lot of it was just adjusting to a new diet a new you know training regimen a new schedule i mean the korean leagues and the the japanese leagues they play a different schedule uh than we do in the us you know they're playing with different balls like they're playing with a lot of different aspects that we don't necessarily know how to account for, even with all the great kind of numbers and examples we've had. So I tend to stay away from these guys from a fantasy perspective, because I think they're often overpriced um, based on hype alone. Uh, I also look at our park and go, I don't know how many home runs Lee can even hit in this park. Uh, I think he's going to be a good defensive player, which is great for the team, great because the, the outfield defense has been a real problem in recent years. Uh, and you know, maybe hits for a decent average, but who knows? We thought jungle, or sorry, we thought, uh, I was going kid was getting for a great average right away. He didn't. Um, and so when you don't have a lot of juice, uh, I, I not, pro- I, I got some early shares before he posted yep. just because he was so cheap, but I don't, I doubt he ends up on many of my team's rest of the
0: Yeah, ever since he signed with the Giants, I have zero shares now. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just kind of passed on that one. Uh, Underdog's the only place I would look to take him, OBP style, but uh, that's because it's just point-based. He doesn't add a whole – he's a Stephen Kwan with less steals, and Stephen Kwan I'd rather have. Let's put it that way if I had to pick between the two. So we'll see how that goes. And you mentioned Kim. It's it's a great point because Kim even came out and said – after this, se- this past season that it took a while to adapt to everything, and that's why he was really hoping to get Lee there. I think they're actually brother-in-laws, but
1: um, oh, I, I, th-
0: I think I heard that. It's, it's he's with, it's Kim or somebody else, but somebody else is in the big. I think it's Kim. They're brother-in-laws, and um, he wanted them there just to again, help him acclimate a lot quicker to the bigs because it's so tricky. That's why like, um, Yamamoto going to basically live with Otani is going to make it so easy for him to, you know besides just being a Dodger in millions of dollars, the other factors to it. All right, pretty much the only major fantasy guy that I'm interested on the offensive side of the ball is Tyro Estrada. Always been a big fan of Tyro Estrada. Uh, 271 last year, 14 homers, 23 steals, missed some time due to injury. Uh, Before he got hurt, he was looking real good to have like a 20, 20, 25, 25, maybe 20, 30 type season along the lines there somewhere. Right now his ADP is 133 over the last 15 drafts. What are your thoughts on Thyro? Are you um are you are you in on him? Are you concerned? What what are we thinking?
1: I liked Estrada a lot more when uh he was going to like pick 160, 170 last year than I do liking him at like 130. I think part of the issue and the reason why I'm not like completely out is because shortstop gets really bad after mm-hmm. the first few guys. Like it Bingo. used to be like oh shortstop is like the deepest position. Um, which is funny because if you played fantasy when I first started playing fantasy shortstop was the worst position there was like a rod and nobody else right a rod cheater and then like a bunch of bombs now shortstop has turned from this traditionally awful position to now a traditionally fantastic position to a fantastic at the top position yep. Um and after you get past maybe the top 10 guys start getting some real question marks Um, and so I do have question marks about Estrada. He's a really poor defender, um, and I wonder if that will cost him playing time at times. Uh, the, on the plus side, there's not really a lot there to challenge him for playing time. Yeah, that's a big so, plus on this one. As long as he stays healthy, I could see him getting to 600 plate appearances and being like a 17-17 guy uh, that probably scores a fair amount of runs because I think he'll hit decently high up in the lineup but I'm just not super enthused uh, about Tyro in the way that I was going into last year when I felt like people were sleeping on him a little bit too much
0: yeah last year they were sleeping on him and it, I was very happy the way he started out going that's right boys and then he got hurt and kind of slowed that trip down um, I'll still be in just because a I'm a sucker for Tyro and b the part you mentioned about the whole short stops starting to shrink up and I can like as long as he stays on the field I'm pretty confident what I can get from him. So that goes a long way for me. Because that's the other thing is when you get at an any position and the um, the talent pool starts shrinking, that means that there's also so many red flags where Tyro doesn't really have that many red flags except he's on the Giants. Like that's yeah. kind of what it is for me. So I'm I'm in. I understand the concerns. I'll ask you the question that I've discussed with Bloomfield many times. If we're talking second base position now because Tyro's got multi multipositional mm-hmm. ability, would you take Zach Geloff or Tyro Estrada? Um that's a really
1: tough question, because um, I mean, Gelliff has a lot of us, uh, not a lot of the same issues, but they have the similar kind of uh, plus, which is there's nobody else, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if Gelliff was on any other team in baseball, I'd be like, I'm, I think a plus, yep. especially at the price, because the plate skills and the contact profile are not good at all for Gelliff, but he's gonna play because who else is Oakland sucks man like Oakland is just like they're really really bad uh and so um now do I think like you can like prorate Gallos numbers from last year over a full season absolutely not like yeah. I, I don't believe in the power especially in that part I think he's a guy that could be like a 12 25 kind of guy uh if getting full-time playing time but like 12 home runs could come with like 37 RBI yeah so,
0: there's been no run production at all like
1: these are awful. Uh so I think I would still go Estrada. I should probably double check my my because <laughs> I actually have uh, that's why I,
0: that's why I love doing all these because I'll start saying something like, wait a minute, I have <laughs> like it never fails. So like all we're always updating. We do a show, it's like time to update really again. Um no, I I, I like Yellow's power, but I think it's very close. Average, she'll be below Estrada. Steel, I think Estrada's better. Power, I think Yellow's better, but they both run production wise is gonna be a rough, rough go. Rough go. Yeah. All right. Now it just turns into who do you want to gamble on now? Um, Mike Yastrzemski, 15 homers last year at 233, only one hundred eight, 106 games, always battling injury, but they love his glove. If he can stay healthy, he's going to play a lot, it feels like. And his ADP is 492 right now. What are you thinking on uh, Mike Yastrzemski?
1: I think he nailed it. I mean, it just depends on health, right? Like, I mean, he's he's a fairly productive player when he's on the field, the problem is he only played 106 games last year. He's never broken 600 plate appearances. Uh, And I can't imagine at age 33 that this is going to be the first year that happens. Right. And especially when you've got just a massive amount of players in the outfield, not necessarily even good ones, but you've just got a bunch of different players that can play. Um, They're going to give him time off even when he is healthy I think I would probably project 450 plate appearances and I don't know, like middle teens home runs and, you know, a couple stolen bases, 250 batting average at best, maybe even closer to 240. So it's just not very, it's not very inspiring. Like, I just, to me, I think you can, you know, in the place he goes, you can get other players that just have a little bit better upside and, and even a better floor. So, Probably not going to draft a lot of Yastrzemski this year.
0: Fair enough. Another guy that we talk health as an issue, Michael Conforto. First season with the Giants, played 125 games. That's how many games he played in 2021 for the Mets. He hasn't played – he played 151 in 2019. It's the last time he played full action. Hit 239, 15 homers. Pretty similar stuff to Yastrzemski, except Yaz has better defense. Conforto has an ADP of 417, slightly better than Yastrzemski. The rumor on the street, though, is they want Conforto to DH, not play the outfield, which is kind of interesting. But what's your thoughts on Conforto? Because to me, it's just like him and, and him and Yaz, just like Spider-Man gif.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think they are kind of just, especially from an offensive perspective, like they are kind of the same player, right? Uh, you're not probably not going to get fired play appearance from them. You're probably not going to get 20 home runs from them. Uh, and... You know, maybe DHing, you know, primarily will keep him healthy, but he's just not been the same guy since 2019 when he was able to like stay on the field for a full season. Uh, so I'm not super enthused again about (laughs) you're gonna hear me say this over and over and over again, especially especially about the offensive players on this team. Like, there's just not a lot there to be excited about. The park hurts you to begin with, and then you know, platooning or injuries, you know, very few guys on this team are going to get a four-run-a-play crisis.
0: Yeah, the, the spot where most Giants players come into play is streaming throughout the season when they go to Coors Field or they have a great schedule in general or there's injuries that all of a sudden open up playing time for like three weeks. That's where Giants players come into play. Like draft day, yep. not so much. But we'll talk about my waiver wires all the time. I know if Justin's done it, I'd like there are weeks where you just like, hey, get all the Giants you can get. Yep. Like <laughs> it's just how it's gonna go. So be prepared for that. Well, be, we're clowning on them now, but when we recommend them in like seven weeks? That's probably why. Yep. Um Lamont Wade Jr., he actually can produce when he gets these on the field. 256 average, 17 homers last year. Really good MVP skills, cut the strikeout rate down to 18%. Um, again, another platoon situation, but strong side, ADP of 380. Any interest in Lamont?
1: I mean, in like an NL only kind of format, sure, um, or even like draft champions because yeah. you're getting a guy who is eligible first and the outfield. Which I always love those guys. They can go infield, to outfield, right? Because yeah. you can you can play first, you can play CI, he can go into the outfield for you. So that's three different positions he can cover. Um, so in a, uh, a draft champions that makes sense, um, but it it is such even when he's healthy, it's such bland production, right? You're talking about a guy who, you know, high teens home runs, decent batting average, but like you can find that all over the place. Um, yeah, he's again another one of these guys are going to stream uh, in good matchups. You know, they they got three righties coming up. They're going to Coors, you know, they're going to Cincinnati, something like that. Like, but. Not a guy that I want to set and forget.
0: Similar, Wilmer Flores. Uh, he played in uh, 126 games last year, hit 23 bombs, career high, hit 284. That was his best as 2019. Like We know he's got a skill he can hit at the plate, uh, but ADP three twenty five. if there's an injury, that's when he flourishes because then he starts to play every day, uh, regardless of lefty-righty splits. Until the injury, not sure how he plays every day, Justin.
1: He should play every day. He I hope have
0: so because the DCs sure. are taking the chance.
1: Yeah, like I don't know that he's going to, I don't think he will. Um, because the Giants they, they love him enough to give him like a two year contract, but they do not love him enough <laughs> to like let him just play every day. He hit 303 against left handed pitching last yep. year,
0: yep, like he, he can hit lefties pretty well,
1: but he also hit 271 against righties, so he wasn't bad against yep. righties. Like, yep. like he should, he should, they should just say, like. Hey, you are every day third baseman, or you are every day second baseman. Yep, or even uh, first. Well, sorry, Lamont. Like, we're going to play
0: yeah,
1: Willer. <laughs> or, or just say, you're going to play all three of those positions. We don't know which ones you're going to play each day, but like, you're yeah. going to be in the lineup. Like, he should get 600 plate appearances because I think a bat like his, if he got 600 plate appearances, like, it's not like a game changing bat, but due to hit 23 home runs and 450 plate appearances last year, like, he's a mid. Homer, you know, 25 or 20 Homer bat with a decent batting average if he plays every day. Uh, but the Giants won't do it. Like the Giants are gonna try to optimize and, and mess things around. Maybe a new manager changes that a little bit, but I feel I feel like this is an organizational philosophy, and I'm not uh I'm not a big buyer. That being said, like he is multi-positional eligible, he's a perfect DC guy. Uh so I mean he's you know eligible at first and third, you know, may pick up second in-season, something like that. So,
0: yeah, yeah, not too bad. And they'll DH him from time to time, too, so he'll get on the field one way or another. <laughs> um, you mentioned, like, they'll rotate and platoon and stuff. I'm really curious to see how it goes with Bob Melvin. I recorded the episode before this for the Diamondbacks with uh, Bogman, Scott Bogman, and he, I believe he called him Mad Scientist Melvin from his days in uh, Arizona that carried over to Oakland, and because he likes to tinker so much, that kind of scares the crap out of me. So I guess we'll see how that goes. Calak Kapler is bad enough. I guess we got some more fun to deal with. Patrick Bailey. I like Patrick Bailey. I don't know how much I like him in fantasy, but he's intriguing a little bit. 233 average, seven home runs last year in 97 games. Admit He, he tanked towards the end of the season, said he was tired. ADP's 338. Catcher two, don't hate it. But what are you thinking on Patrick Bailey?
1: Actually, this would probably be my most rostered giant this year is okay. Patrick Bailey. Uh I mean, the only problem is catcher is so deep this year that, like, uh, it's hard to even want to wait that mm-hmm. long to grab a second catcher. Uh, but if I do, that's the guy I'm targeting towards the end of my draft, right? So, like, uh, I probably... I think I've got six drafts in the book so far, and I think I've got them on two teams. Uh, yeah, because I, I like... I, th- I like his presence. He's, he's a good catcher, which means he's not going to be replaced from behind the plate. He's really good at calling game. He feels like a leader in the clubhouse. Um, these are all intangible things that we don't really count a ton for fantasy, but actually have a really big impact behind the plate. Uh, and Blake Sable is probably not going to be on this roster very much this year. I know that last year he was up all year, and so some people are going to yell at me, but he was a rule five pick last year, which meant he could not be sent down. He will get sent down this year. They brought in Tom Murphy to back up. I think that uh Patrick Bailey is going to play quite a bit, either DHing or catching behind the plate. And I think he's gonna volume play into being a pretty decent C2 this year.
0: Yep, I love the call. Like I said, I, I like him a lot. I was following him, well, you were following him too, but he was switch hitting, calling good games, hitting pretty well. Then it just fell off a cliff, but he flat out said, I've never played this many games in my life. Like, yeah. I'm exhausted. And they kept throwing him out there to learn, and he was just beat. And it makes sense if you kind of watch the downward trajectory. just totally checks out. Now he's got that year under his belt. I think Murphy's a great addition because that'll allow him to maybe learn from a veteran. Murphy can smash lefties as well, I like yeah. to give Bailey days off here and there. Like, there's, it's a good rotation between the two. So, yeah, I like Bailey. I'm with you on that one, I think. Um, yeah, but also, he kind of almost falls too long. To, to wait, as you mentioned, which make, cause like, if, one of those, if you play chicken with Patrick Bailey and you miss, you are playing with massive fire in that scenario.
1: Yeah. Cause then you're running in, you know, you're, you're, running your C2 out as like, I don't know, Freddie Furman, who I don't mind, um, or like Gary Sanchez, you're hoping he finds a team or something like that. So, uh, yeah. like, yeah, it gets like, there's a pretty huge, like it's catcher is a really deep position, but there's a pretty huge cliff.
0: Yes. Yes. You got to make sure you at least get them. Don't wait too long. <laughs> uh jd davis everyone's like oh he hits the ball so hard he gets so many home runs but he doesn't do it because it's just not consistent at the time uh 18 home runs last year in 144 games hit 248 adp of 434 what are you thinking on him he is who we
1: thought he was and we let him off the hook i mean like yeah i mean this is just kind he's kind of just the dude he's always been like i you know like if they would commit to him just being an everyday player, I think he probably hits 20 home runs with like a mediocre batting average, but like, I don't know that they're going to commit to that um, all the time. I think part of the reason he even got over 500 plate appearances last year is because they got uh, a little hit hurt by injuries and stuff. So um, he's not a very good defender uh, though. I mean, he did improve last year a little bit. So that's a little bit of a plus column, but I don't know. There's so many bodies there. that that all have to find plate appearances he's gonna lose time at times he goes to these stretches where like he rockets the ball and then stretches where he just can't make contact at all i i just i don't think that the upside is like i think people thought the upside on jd davis was like 35 40 home runs i think we now can all agree like okay the upside is probably 25 home runs and is that the kind of upside i'm shooting for
0: yeah i don't know that's more of a stream last minute corner infield if needed type guy but probably not that's the problem like yeah he has his hot spurts that gets everybody back on track and then just kind of disappears again for a little bit you mentioned marco luciano earlier and i agree with a lot of the things you said sadly the giants want to play him as much as possible because him and some other players we'll talk about later they think they have a chance to get draft pick compensation for after this year so they want to see what marco luciano has and um You know, he was a a decent prospect at times. Really, if you look at his overall numbers in the minors, it wasn't like, oh, my goodness. Like, a little bit of pop, really no speed. Hits for a decent average, nothing crazy. Um, ADP right now is 457. Interest. Not really. Yeah, me neither.
1: I mean, in a draft, champions, I get it because – It's a starters game. Yeah, he's going to play. Like, I think he is going to play. I think they're going to – you know. Uh, Farhan already said like they're going to give him every opportunity to play every day. Uh, And that's fine. But I mean, he has a long injury track record. He's not particularly a very good defender. Um, His contact profile in the majors last year was really, really gross. I know it's a really small sample, but it's what we have to work with. And uh, it kind of lines up with what he was kind of projected as, in the minor leagues, which is a guy who's got a ton of power in the bat, but doesn't make contact enough to kind of unlock it. Plus, you're putting him in that park. Uh, Like, he's one of those guys you kind of keep a watch list on. Um, And you you kind of look, not necessarily at what he's even doing, but just at the underlying numbers in terms of the contact skills. Because if the contact skills improve, and he can start to unlock some of that power, yeah, I mean, I think there's legitimately 30 home run power in this bat. But, like, you can't do that with a 75% zone contact. Like, it's just, it's not gonna, he's not the kind of guy that can make that work. Um, but if even if he got to like 80, 82% zone contacts or like still below league average, but you know, workable, like, yeah, I do think there is a massive upside in the bat. I just don't know that we're ever gonna see it.
0: Yep, uh, I'm with you on that one. All right, uh, lastly, I just put him on here. He's supposed to platoon short sighted platoon, ADP 745. I want to mention Helio Ramos, again, a guy that used to be a, a higher prospect for the Giants as well. And Farhan mentioned him in the Luciano comments that he wants to get uh, Helio Ramos a ton of playing time. I'm more of a sit and wait guy, but I don't know if you had any other thoughts on Ramos. I mean,
1: he's had moments where he's shown a pretty good contact skill, which I think is interesting. Um, but, like, I just don't know that there's much else, you know, like – It's kind of mediocre speed and mediocre power. And those kind of guys are what we call accumulators, right? Like they have to play every day to kind of accumulate those stats because they don't have prodigious power. They don't have like blazing speed. So like they can't steal a bunch of bases uh, in a short period of time, like a John Birdie can, or hit for a bunch of power right in a row, even like a JD Davis can. Um, They need all those plate appearances. But when you're a short side platoon player, you're not getting that. Like, and I just don't know that he's ever going to carve out the role he would need in order to kind of become an interesting accumulator. So from a fantasy perspective, I'm not super interested.
0: Yep. Fair enough. Let's head to the mound. We got something to talk about Logan Webb. Logan Webb was amazing last season. Got some serious Cy Young attention, finishing in the top three of most people's voting, which was great to see. Helps when you throw 216 innings and make 33 starts, made 32 starts in 2022. Uh, ratios are great once again. Dude mixes up his pitch mix. He's a real pitcher. I love Logan Webb. ADP of 58 right now, Justin. How are we feeling on Webb this season?
1: I mean, I like Logan Webb a lot. I mean, I fear he's going down the Matt Cain route, which ha. is just yeah. the guy who – is always good on the mound but never gets rewarded with a
0: win. <laughs> yeah, it's a giant's way. Got at least one of them.
1: So, uh which is unfortunate, but from a fantasy perspective, like I feel like he gets underrated a little bit, um which is nice because I think he's the perfect guy to pair with an unstable ace, right? So like if you go and you draft uh an ace that you feel a little bit risky about, maybe it's one of these young guys, right? Um, you know, you go and grab Grayson Rodriguez. Well, if you pair Grayson Rodriguez and Logan Webb, like you get the upside of Grayson Rodriguez with a really, really safe floor of Logan Webb. And I love doing that. Um, So like, yeah, Logan Webb's one of those guys that I think is a really, really solid, like number two or number three starting pitcher in fantasy because, you know, I mean, he's got two straight seasons with 32 starts or more. He just went over 200 innings for the first time in his career. There's no reason to think he can't, continue that the strikeout rate went up this last year from 2022 which is uh, uh intriguing as well i don't think we're ever going to see that you know 26% strikeout rate that we saw in uh 2021 again but like if he can just stay at 22 23% with all those innings like he can volume a crap ton of strikeouts and that's really interesting
0: yeah, I'm 100 with you. You mentioned the the Grayson combo. Just regardless, the the volatile with the floor is a great combo. Mm-hmm. I think a fun one is because uh, the guy I'm really nervous to draft. But if you can draft him with a like a Gallon or a Web or someone in that range is Tyler Glassnow. As much as I Glassnow scares it's me the others, no, yeah. I I have zero shares now. But as like I keep looking at boards and looking at combos and. Like I keep saying, the only way I can draft him is I have to come back quickly with like a floor type situation. That's where I would bring in a web because I don't have a whole lot of web shares right now because I don't take a lot of risk early on. But uh, if I ever was going to glass, now I would be the guy I'd probably pair him with. As weird as that sounds, and again, I don't have either. So I I um, think the guy
1: that I would do it with is like Tariq Scovell. Like that's you fair wait a well. little bit on you know taking you know you go maybe hitter 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 in the first two rounds, and then you go scoobal in the fourth and web in the fifth like and Fair. now all of a sudden you've got this huge upside from scoobal mixed with this really safe floor of web um and you get glass now scares the crap you
0: get scoob like a round after glass now too so that's nice kinda... yeah
1: exactly
0: that's a plus yeah because yeah scoobal and glass now scare me they both do so i'm uh, very timid but i could see the idea of you put it together yes the right um, all right, let's talk Alex Cobb, because recent reports were Alex Cobb's ahead of schedule. We know how that sounds. You get pitchers and catchers reporting about a week, so i will have a better idea. Starts throwing some bullpens. Um, the goal is to have him maybe not opening series, but maybe a few weeks into the season, which is a lot more optimistic than it was before. Uh, and Cobb had a really strong season. He usually doesn't crush your team. It's just a matter of how many innings does he pitch um and I like Cobb a lot he was pitching really well he had that massive hip injury they played through a lot he had the surgery for it so I'm kind of I guess I'm more optimistic potentially but ADP is 440 like this is a dude I've been sniping up in so many DCs right now I might be crazy for it but what's your thoughts on Alex Cobb
1: I think that DC is kind of the only spot I'm probably going to take him unless once we get really good news like come like Mark Strauss and stuff like that um I just don't like investing in guys that are hurt to start the season i think you can you've learned get,
0: your lesson Very yeah cool. i
1: think you can get those guys off the waiver wire right because yeah. typically people who invest in guys like alex cobb and by that i mean you got investing guys who are injured already they don't just say oh well, that's my one injured guy they come <laughs> and i that, that was my issue in 2019 which was you know, like, I invested in all these guys that had either injured red flags or were injured already. And I go, All you gotta do is make it to May. I make it to May, I'm gonna freaking crush everybody. Well, guess what? I didn't make it to May because, on top of you know, drafting Luis Severino, who was out until May, and Carlos Martinez, who was out until May, I also drafted Byron Buxton who got hurt, and Jacob DeGrom, who got hurt, and um, and Giancarlo Stanton, who got hurt, and like, you know, I was like. By the time I got to May, I was so buried in the standings, I was never catching up. So, I have I learned my lesson from that lighting of $1,700 on fire. Um, and I've now gone the opposite way, which is I go as risk averse as possible.
0: Yep.
1: Um, so in a fab league where you only have you know seven in NFBC bench spots, or three in Yahoo, or three in, in uh, ESPN that's not enough bench spots to work with. Um, sure. Even if you've got IL spots, like uh-huh. I just think that you're better up because we say he's only going to miss three weeks, but what if it turns into six weeks?
0: Yeah.
1: What if he never comes back? Have we seen plenty of guys who like, you know, they got, they have setbacks. you know, Luis severino that year in 2019 car Martin that year in, in 2019, they didn't come back until like July. Like, you know, they were supposed to be back in May. They, you know, and people hold on, right? If you're going to draft a guy like that, be ready to cut bait the first time there's a setback because it's 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 just going to weigh down your roster.
0: No, that makes tons of sense. I get it. That's why I'm I'm team boring more often than not. Uh, but I do like Cobb and the DCs. I agree. It'd be tough in the, without better news, it's tough to draft him in a, in a fab league at this point in time. But another lesson to what Justin Mason mentioned there was, he learned from his mistakes because he has turned in some very good seasons of late, some very good seasons. So we all have our little like learning experiences. And the, the key is, do you learn from him or do you just keep throwing shit at the wall? And that's exactly. <laughs> that's where it gets fun. Uh, Kyle Harrison. This is the third member of the Luciano Ramos conversation where uh, Farhan's like, I need to get these guys out here to see if we can get picks. If anyone's going to do it, it's going to be Harrison. If anyone, it's a big, if is what I'm going to say, but we saw like the pros and cons of Harrison. We saw, Massive strikeout games look good. We saw other games with the control issues that were documented, given the walks were much better than they were in the minor leagues. And I think you even noticed it, and I know I did, is the walks got better before he got to the bigs. Like They were improving as he came along. Still not great, but they were improving. Um, Now he has an ADP of 268 right now. Are you in? Are you out on Kyle Harrison?
1: I'm I'm out. Um, I just think there's so many good pitchers this year I know the park helps him The control was better But the command is still really, really spotty okay. um, And I just I I worry that there's going to be A lot of those Four homer games that like he gave up in San Diego uh, And it's just such a tough Division to pitch in <laughs> Against yeah. all these teams that are just yeah. Freaking stacked uh, That, yeah, I just I don't trust I don't trust his ability to command stuff yet. Um, I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I really want him to be good. Uh, I remember watching him down in, uh, in Arizona at first pitch uh, when he was at the fall league a couple of years ago and being like, okay, I can see why people like him. Uh, but at the same time, like I, I prefer these, I prefer the guys who maybe have a little bit less stuff and just a little bit more command and control um, because the, like the volatility in, Kyle Harrison's profile is going to be maddening especially if you're in like head-to-head leagues. If you're in a head-to-head league, Crush you do not up. draft Kyle Harrison, yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah, that will destroy you uh, on a week-to-week basis trying to figure out which good one are we going to get. Yep. Um, the other main acquisition this fall or winter, unfortunately, is Jordan Hicks. Yeah, I didn't stutter folks. That's the other main acquisition for the Giants. Uh Jordan Hicks comes over from uh, a free agency he was great in the bullpen uh last year for toronto as he finished the season there now they want to stretch him back out to the starter which um the cardinals have tried i think it's more of a long relief opener but hicks has said flat out he wants to start he's got incentives in his deal maybe by the end of the year we see five innings six innings on a good day out of him. but i don't see how he could uh i'll get your thoughts obviously ADP 332 like the stuff's electric i just don't think he can do enough for you on your team
1: so hicks is one of those guys i hate the signing as a giants fan so just throw that out there just could not stand it like just throw a little bit more money at jordan montgomery like yeah, you that's know, what like, i've been
0: begging for all offseason. yeah you know, like that's
1: i mean you know like if you're gonna do that like why not just give jordan montgomery the kind of money he's looking for and you know protect him in that beautiful ballpark and um i just to me like this is and like even at 11 million dollars a year it's not like going to be bad when he ends up as a middle reliever but it's not going to be good and it's not going to be what you thought you were getting um because i do think he's going to end up as a middle reliever like i just don't think that his arm can hold out at 100 miles an hour consistently throwing 5 innings and you know i just think he's going to get hurt eventually that being said from a fantasy perspective i'm watching spring training there's very few guys that I really care about spring training with. Like, I I know, like, love Mike Curlin, love what he does with lineups. I do think lineups are important. But what spring training does is give everybody, like, a shot of baseball Viagra where they're just walking around, like, not knowing what to do with themselves. Like, the first injury news that comes out once pitchers and catchers report, everybody will overreact to including myself. The first guy to hit five spring home runs, everybody will react to the first – you know, two or three guys that have a new pitch that they're working on, people are gonna fucking go crazy, and most of it doesn't matter. That being said, with guys like Jordan Hicks, it does kind of matter because if he is actually ramping up and by the time we get to spring and tra- the spring training, he's at five inning. Yeah, then we're like, okay, because there's not a huge investment in terms of what you have to pay for him. He's definitely a guy that you can drop when he once he gets hurt, and the upside is massive. Like mm-hmm. this is a guy if if you could turn off injuries and say, like if you're playing a video game and, and you're turn off injuries and say uh, he's gonna have the stand mode to go five game in and game out, like he could be a massive uh kind of boon in fantasy. So like I'm I'm definitely willing to take a dart throw on Jordan Hicks from a fantasy perspective, uh, because I, I know that it's a low cost investment that I can drop pretty easily, but a really high reward.
0: Yeah, see, I agree with the point. If we know he's going at least five, I'm very much interested. Like, I was interested with him with the Cardinals. I was putting fab out and stuff. Just because he's so filthy. Like, if you're talking like a need for strikeouts past ADP 300, those aren't easy to find. And Hicks has that in bunches if he's on. It's just a matter of, like you said, staying healthy or um, do they actually stretch him out? Because I don't know what – like, the Giants need him to pitch the entire season, so I don't know if it's going to be a slow ramp or a quick ramp. That's why you said spring training is huge for him to kind of mm-hmm. see how they do it. And that's why it's – I guess in a D.C. I should maybe trust it more just because in D.C. you're going to get whatever. and you could, We use relievers in D.C. all the time just because that's the way the cookie crumbles. Uh, in a redraft league, he's so late. He's a drop, kind of as you said. I think in an auction for a buck, he's a lot of fun. Yes,
1: why yeah, why not throw a dollar at I, him. Yeah.
0: I I think that's a fun, like, you know, let's save some cash, throw him out there for a buck and see what happens. I think that's a fun – one of those late, uh, or even throw them out early when people have a bunch of money, and they'll scoff at them. You probably get them for an easy buck in one of those, and that, that could be quite interesting. Uh, the other guy I wanted to ask you about, and we can ask about some others if you want, but I just want to mention we did get Robbie Ray in a trade. Obviously, not coming until probably midseason, and then for how much is the million dollar question? Like in my mind, as a Giants fan, it's like just slow it out and let's get him for next season at full go. That's all I really care about. You never like with this with this group in charge, like you said at the beginning, who knows what the heck they're doing? I don't know if they know what they're doing. So his ADP is like 530 in a DC. Does that interest you? Like I don't even have any shares of them there because I don't know what we're going to get. I have zero clue.
1: Yeah. I don't invest in these guys at all. And these guys coming back from Tommy John this year, they will not be on any of my teams. Right. Like I, I doubt I even draft like a Kershaw or a Matt Scherzer. Like, just because you don't know when these guys are going to be back and everybody dude who does DCs, like they go, well, I got 50 players. I can take, yeah. you know, gambles. And you'll need them all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> I mean, talk to people who were still playing out their DCs in August and ask them how many actual pitching decisions they had to make because I know on a bunch of my teams, I had nine healthy pitchers, yep. right? Like I drafted 21 or 22 and I had nine in August, right? So um I don't invite that kind of injury onto my team because – like Robbie Ray, like yeah, do I? I'm gonna be super interested in him in 2025, especially if he gets onto the mound at some point this year. But like, what's the last thing to come back for a Tommy John pitcher? Yep. Command and control, yeah. like, and what is always the issue with Robbie Ray? Commanding yeah. control. Well done, so 100%. like, I I I don't like in that's if like he he even said in in the media like. My, you know, I my best case scenario is the All Star break. Yeah. He didn't say I'll be back by the All Star break. He didn't say I'm shooting for the All Star. He said my best case scenario is All Star break. So that tells me like August at the earliest, and maybe even September. Do you really want to like waste a draft pick that you're only going to get to use for a month?
0: And that'll be one of those September's where it's like two innings here, three. It'd be like a Walker Bueller September. Like we're just yeah. going to get him some innings, and just so he can say he threw a few to get ready for next year. That's
1: all and there. they could, and they're not guaranteed to be good innings. Yeah, Like, you know, like, yeah, maybe you get, like, a two-inning outing with, like, four strikeouts, but it also comes with, like, four runs, and all of a sudden, like, that guy you waited on for five months is actually murdering you at the end of the season. So. You know,
0: and, like, as bad as the Giants could be, there might not be any need to bring him back by the All-Star yeah. awesome break, so Absolutely. we'll see where that goes. Uh, just these could be quick hitters here. They have Keaton Wynn and Tristan Beck uh, in the rotation for now a lot of moving parts there is maybe hopefully they sign someone, you know, Beck showed some signs at times last year when was okay. And like, neither of them had lights out stuff, but any, any thoughts on those two real quick, or just kind of hope they survive.
1: When has some pretty good, like stuff plus numbers, um, which is interesting. Uh, and he showed the ability at times to actually go deep in the game. So I think I might take the occasional gamble on him. Uh, Especially in a in a DC uh or even you know back end of a 15 team roster, like just take a shot because it is a good park, you know, which gives you a good chance to win if you got good stuff. Maybe you could do something with it. Um, uh, but this is really a lottery. Both of these guys are really lottery tickets and not really yeah. stuff that you know when I'm when I'm planning out a draft, I definitely look at the back end of the ADP and I go, okay, who are the guys that I'm highlighting as okay, these are the guys I want to get at the back end of my draft. Neither of these guys are highlighted. These are guys who are more like oh no like last year for me like Kyle Bradish is a guy at the back end of my draft that like I was highlighting. Well, if Kyle Bradish goes, then where do I go? It would be to a guy like like Keegan Win.
0: That's fair, totally fair. Let's go to the bullpen. Camilo Duval was actually very good for the Giants last year. ADP of fifty five going into this year, so you got to kind of pay for him. Uh, are you in on Camilo at that price?
1: Yeah, I I, th- I think he's an elite closer, um, and I want elite closers. Uh, I don't see anybody necessarily in that giant's bullpen that is going to give him a run for his money. I think both Rogers brothers and uh, are just straight up reliever or like middle relievers for them or setup guys. So I think Camilo, you know, is kind of the dude, which is kind of refreshing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Bob Melvin has a history of just going to the guy that he trusts and uh, that should be Duvall. So uh, yeah, I think that if you're looking for a closer one, uh, but you don't want to pay Josh Hader or Devin Williams prices. Fine, I think that's great.
0: I'm with you. Now we talked about Kyle Harrison. We talked about Ramos. We talked about Luciano. Any other prospect types you see maybe making an impact this year? Because like we did have like we, we have some guys. They feel like they're farther away, but I could be wrong. Like you know Bryce Eldridge is up there, but I just don't know if he's close enough yet. Uh, we saw I think Reggie Crawford in, in the fall league this past year. Anybody that you might think we see this year worth a darn?
1: um not really i think everybody is just a little bit ways away like um i'm kind of just going through and just looking at our top prospects and most of them aren't on the 40 man yeah like you know could like a you know wizen hunt make it up uh as a starting pitcher at some point uh maybe maybe towards the end of the season but like None of these guys are guys that I'm going, oh, I, I should be drafting him and holding him. Um, there are no Wyatt Langfords. There are no Jackson Holliday's. There's not even like, you know, like a second tier prospect. No. Like, um, I don't even know if the Giants have really a top 100 guy, honestly.
0: Yeah, no, I think uh, what was the latest? There's a bunch of lists are coming out these days. I think um, one of the Athletic just dropped today. And I think the Giants had maybe two in the top 100. It said I, I didn't. I didn't read the article. I saw the the graphic that showed each team uh, how many they had. Uh, so yeah. yeah, we'll we'll see where the Giants go. I just know they're a ways away. They've actually on paper done decent in the last few drafts. It looks like I did see an article that the Giants' pitching in the farm system is really strong, but long ways away. So see if that can develop. Obviously, but uh, Giants need a lot of help as usual. So to wrap this up, as I ask every guest. What do you what do you think happens this year? What's your prediction for the twenty twenty four San Francisco Giants?
1: I think they win like seventy eight games, like and finish fourth in the division.
0: Yeah, four, um, fourth seems very doable.
1: I you know, and honestly, I think this may like, and we've been kind of waiting for it to happen. And you never know with the Giants. Like the Giants have, like in spite of you know missing the playoffs the last few years, like. They've been competitive, right? Like they've, you know, they've been one of those teams where they're like, oh, that's the deadline. where are they gonna do? Are they going to buy or they're gonna sell, and then they do nothing. And everybody's like, well, that was dumb. Um, I think this is finally the year maybe where the Giants kind of bottom out. Um yeah. and uh and uh, they don't and they're one of kind of the top or bottom 10 teams in baseball. Uh and maybe that forces them to kind of sell guys and move on and and rethink things but you know they'll probably get like on a hot stretch in like freaking june or july just and screw it up for us just do enough to like be like oh well we're just gonna hold pat again and see mm-hmm.
0: yeah it's gonna be interesting yeah what my guess because... sorry what was that
1: uh i was gonna say my guess they win between 75 and 80 games and okay. miss the playoffs
0: yeah, it's gonna be interesting because it's, Farhan brought in the new the new manager, and it's kind of like he knows this is one of the last straws. He's got to figure this out pretty quick. So and he's not signing anybody right now. So it makes you wonder what he's gonna do with the deadline. Like he's gonna have to he has to do something this year to say, "Hey, look, it, I'm trying to fit, make this team better." So really curious to see how it goes.
1: I just want to see a plan. Like, I it doesn't yeah. need to be like I just. We can lose for the next three
0: years. I'm fine with that. Just show me we're doing something. We
1: still have three World Series trophies, you know, from, you know, in recent memory. Like, it's okay to, like, be bad. But just show me you have some sort of idea, like, that you're not just asleep at the wheel. Because it feels like, Farhan, it's just been asleep at the wheel.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. It's rough. It's rough, my friend. Um, On that happy note, we're going to head on out of here. Remind everybody where they can find you and what you got going on.
1: Yeah, you can find me on any social media. Uh, Justin Mason FWFB. Twitter is what I use the most. Um, or X, whatever you want. I don't even know uh, what they call it anymore. Um, but yeah, uh, Justin Mason FWFB. Uh, and uh, hear me on Sleeper in the Bust and the Friends Fantasy Benefits podcast. Uh, you can sign up for TGFBI Satellites over at TGFBI.com. And uh, read my work on fantasy pros and uh, fan graphs.
0: There you go. The man is everywhere. The man is an amazing human being and a really good fantasy player and analyst as well. So thanks for joining my friend. Always a pleasure talking with you.
1: It's always good to see you, my friend.
0: All right, everybody. This is Bench with Bubba, episode 650, your 2024 San Francisco Giants therapy session. Catch you all later.